All right, my privilege to welcome to the pulpit uh, evangelist and pastor James DeMello. He's the men's pastor for Covenant Church, a multi-campus church located in Carrollton, Texas. He's also director and founder of Andrizo Ministries. It's been about 16, 17 years since he's been here. He uh, used to come fairly often, but then he uh, transitioned down to Texas. And, uh, you know, those Texans, they're too good for us up here. I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, I love this. He says this. James feels that his greatest accomplishment is his marriage of 30 plus years to his wife, Misty, and raising three of the most amazing daughters. I love that, don't you? That's great. That's great. Besides our relationship with the Lord, what comes next? Spouse and children. Let's give him a great welcome to the pulpit. He did a great job at our Man Up ministry. James DeMello, you're the man. Amen. Oh my gosh. It's so good to be back here. I almost tripped. Did y'all see that just now? That was funny. It it is, God, it's been too long. It's good to see, you know, when you you get older and you haven't seen somebody in a long time and then you kind of see their faces and they're, you know, everybody... Everybody, you, can, you know you know them, but you're not sure, you know, uh, and that's what I'm doing. I'm running into people, and I go, man, I know you. Everybody just looks a little bit more mature, amen? Uh, and boy, I'm telling you what, Pastor Rhonda, was she fiery or what? I never saw her ever kind of, I'm like, why do I even preach? I mean, she said it right there. I just love your pastors, Pastor Tim and Pastor Rhonda, they're salt of the earth. They are such a blessing to our ministry, to our family. When I lived here in Michigan, they sent us all over the world. You supported us. We have souls all over the world. I want to tell you, one of the countries y'all really um, sowed into through James and Mel Ministries um, was Brazil. And now in Brazil, we have such a footprint in Brazil. We have a dream center in Rio de Janeiro that is reaching thousands of people, ministering to people, reaching their, in their needs. They're there when the floods happen. That was all seeds that this church sowed years and years ago. And so, and then of course, to be with my, my friend, um, Dr. David Ferrante, it's so good to see him again, and um, we had some great times, and we're going to have even more good times, amen. The men in this church, wow. Yesterday at Man Up uh, Conference, I'm telling you, ladies, if you can't find a husband here, something is wrong. <laughs> if not, you come to me, and I'll tell you which ones to go to, right? But uh, we, uh, we, we had a great time, and uh, we... Um, we saw God do some amazing things. Pastor David preached, Pastor Ross, Pastor Tim, uh, Luke, and the guys, and Aaron. I mean, these guys just did such a great job. Um, and it's so great to see uh, Pastor Luke um, and the anointing on his life. He was just a kid when I left 17 years ago. And it's just so good to see. And your daughter, Jen, right, in, uh, in Colorado. Gosh, God is good, huh? You know when you have good pastors, when their kids are good kids, amen, and they're doing the work of the Lord, and, and the next generation has a great foundation. I always said our ceilings should be our kids' um, uh, floors. They should be able to go even higher than we are, amen? That's my, my dream and my goal. And so my wife sends her love 
Misty, my three daughters. People ask me, where have you been, James? I have been uh, in Texas pastoring and also uh, raising three girls who now, um, one is married, lives in Australia. She's a pastor with her husband uh, in uh, Hillsong in Australia. She went to school there and never came back. And um, my other daughter's getting married next month. She graduated from Oral Roberts, and she works for our church on staff there in Texas, Covenant Church. And then my littlest one, who was just a baby when I left um, Michigan, she is heading to Oral Roberts in a couple of months. So my wife and I are going to be empty nesters. Woo, hoo, hoo. And we're back, we're back on, I'm back on the road. So uh, I, took, I took time uh, to, to pastor and also raise my family. And, uh, and it was a good thing because God did some amazing things both in me and what he's doing uh, in men around the world. Um, I, uh, I want to have you do something for me. Will you do me a favor? I want you to kind of get to the edge of your pew, which just kind of sit on the edge of your pew, Okay. Everybody just kind of sit on the edge of your pew and kind of lean in. Lean in. All right. Man, this is an obedient church. All right, you can sit back. You can sit back. <clears throat> You're probably wondering, what was that about? Why, why did he have me do that? You see, my wife always asks me, Pastor Tim, how was it? How did it go? And now I could tell her, I had them on the edge of their seat, man. They were just <laughs> leaning in to every word I was saying. See, I don't have to lie. <laughs> oh, that's sneaky, huh? That's not right. Uh, I want to bring you this word um, uh, that I've, I've called the gift in you. The gift in you. I've also called it the hidden treasures. The hidden treasures. Um, I'm at a place in my life now, I'm about to turn 60, and I'm at a place in my life where I'm really enjoying uh, helping people discover their gift, develop their gift, and moving and operating and manifesting their gift. I am enjoying that more than anything. Um, And I couldn't care less if I ever got any um, of of the, you know, accolades for it. I just want to see people doing what God called them to do and doing it with such uh, effectiveness and power that they do even more things than I could have done. That's my passion. And years ago, I, um, God kind of lasered my ministry. I was an evangelist for 18 years. My ministry started with youth, and then it went into uh, the, the church, and then it went into apostolic, and we started going overseas and doing missions work, and that's what this church was part of with me. And then God called me to pastor. I felt like I was Moses sent to the back of, a, of the mountains in, um, for a while. And I was pastoring in this church in Sherman, Texas. It was a campus that was in trouble. And they gave the church over to our church in uh, Carrollton, Texas. And we started pa- I started pastoring with my wife and brought it to a real healthy place. And then God spoke to me and said, give it to a younger generation, a younger pastor. We raised one up. They took it over. A church took it and it's exploding now. And he says, I want you to focus on men for the rest of your life. Because it's the last prophecy of the Old Testament that sons will turn their hearts to fathers and fathers to sons. And Pastor Dave did a great job talking about that in the first service. You need to get that message. And so God started using me to kind of laser in 
on the hearts of men because I'm believing, and I say this prophetically and I mean it, I believe that the, one of the greatest revivals coming to the world and to America is the revival of men getting their life to the Lord, giving their heart to the Lord, and being totally surrendered followers of Christ. And you say, why, why is, well, what about the women? The women have already been having a revival. Look around, more women in church than any, than men, because women have been more t- tender and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and they've carried the church too long. And men, it's time for men to step up and take their position that God has given them and be the leader that God has called them to be, to lead. And, we, and, and, and when that happens, the church just gets better. Look, women, I don't know, a woman worth her, that, that, that is sensitive to God wouldn't want a man who is sensitive to God, who is a leader spiritually, who is faithful to the Lord, loving and nourishing and, and nurturing her, her heart and, and being good as a father. There's not a woman alive that doesn't want that and doesn't like that. And every woman that has that flourishes. Because men like that, give a, they create trellises for their wives to flourish because they're secure in who they are in God. So both of them are used in mighty ways. And so that's what I do now. So sometimes when I minister, you may sense a little, a little more leverage towards a man. I'm talking to a man because predominantly what I do around the world is I, I speak to men. So just excuse me, women, if I do that, and just maybe nudge your husband in the, in the elbow and say, are you on the side? Say, are you listening? Come on. <laughs> Amen. Because this message is for both, but it also is to men as well. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And it starts off like this. Paul's writing the, the, um, these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking to his church that he started. He's in Ephesus, starting a new church. So he sends this um, encouragement to them because he started the church, but he's apostolic. And now he's moved to another place, start another church. He's put leaders over that church that are still kind of getting to know their gifts, th- giftings, and, and, and what God has called them. But they're struggling. So he sends this to encourage them. And he says this, but we have this treasure, say treasure. In jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, say power, is from God and not from us. Um, the word there for power is the well-known word deutimus. Um, that Acts talks about it when it says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's a powerful word. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. It's basically, Paul is basically saying, there's dynamite from heaven coming up, uh, upon you. But here it, I like what he says early on in this chapter he, uh, or in this passage. He says, you have this treasure in jaws of clay. Now, you know, when the Bible talks about jaws of clay, it's talking about our lives, our bodies, right? Our bodies were made from the, the dust of the earth, right? God blew into his spirit into us and we became living bodies. That's why the King James says earthen vessels. 
So whenever the Bible talks about that, it's talking about our lives, our temple of God. This, this, this um, clay uh, is, another word, is tent Paul uses. This tent that God has for us, that the spirit lives in, in our soul, in our mind, in, our, in our, the power of God that flows through us. The word there um, in, in the Hebrew or the Greek is thasaros, thasaros, and it depicts a deposit. It depicts a treasure. As he says here, as we, as we translate here in the English, in a storehouse of God. When was the last time you saw yourself as a storehouse of God? A treasure of God, a precious um, treasure of God. Paul goes on to refer to this same truth again in Romans 12, verse 6. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. There, he uses a different Greek word. He uses the word, as we know, charisma. Charisma. And charisma basically means a divine favor of God, a divine grace upon our lives, a, a uh, faculties and talents and qualities. So, so Paul says, hey, God has given us all a measure or different gifts, a grace of God, a talent that's different from anyone else. As, as unique as your fingerprint and your DNA, God has given you a gift. And this is important because I, I, we need to understand and you will as I, as I unfold this and unpack this for you, that your life, your fulfillment, your, your uh, effectiveness, your, your wealth, your impact, all depends on you understanding the gift in you and manifesting it. What, what this scripture revealed to me many years ago is that God has given us a grace of a gift and everyone has this. And the gift, he says here, is to be employed in God's service for his kingdom. In other words, there is a hidden treasure in all of us. I grew up in Louisiana, if you're trying to figure out my accent. My accent's a little mixed because I was, I was, my parents were Brazilians. So I, was grown, I grew up in a Brazilian culture and raised, uh, born in Brooklyn, New York, raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, lived in California for a long time, then lived in Michigan for a long time, and now I'm in Texas. So you will hear things like, yo, you will hear things like, y'all, you will hear things like, you guys from Michigan, right? And, uh, and then from California, dude. And so I'm, uh, I'm mixed. So if you're trying to figure it out, you might catch more of my New Orleans accent but it's also a Brooklyn accent. But here's what I learned about living in Louisiana as a boy. We have what we call bayous, and I grew up right by a bayou. Some call it canals. If you go to Louisiana, you see all these canals and bayous because they use that to direct the water because it's a very, very wet state. And so I grew up by a bayou, and one of the things we loved about the bayou is that every year, these big machines would come, and us kids would go crazy when we saw them because what we knew was going to happen was they were going to start dredging out the canals because they wanted to keep it clear because people would throw everything in those canals. And so they would keep it clear, and they would pack up the dirt and the stuff on the sides of the banks to keep the banks strong. Well, us kids loved it because Louisiana is a clay type of soil, so it was like a gigantic world of Play-Doh. 
It was just clay on top of clay. So when we would come home from school, we would see those trucks. We were like, yes, because we would go in there and we would start playing with this clay and we would start making clay balls and have, you know, uh, fights with this clay. And we, we would build ramps. You know, Evil Knievel was real famous back then. We would build ramps of clay and it harden up and we would shoot our bikes over it. It was like a playground for us kids. But the best thing was the treasure we would find in the clay. We would find bikes. We would find big wheels. I remember big wheels. We would find big wheels in there. And if we, if we didn't find something in its wholeness, we would find the parts and we would make something out of it. And so it was like a wonderland to kids. The parents hated it because all it was was dirt and mud being tracked into the homes. But to us, in the, in the eyes of the kids, it was treasure to be found. And I say that because just as those bayous and that clay had hidden treasure, you, as Paul says, jars of clay have hidden treasure in you. And that treasure is precious to the one who can see it, to the one who can use it and build something with it. Amen? You see, there we have to make every effort in our lives to manifest our gifts on this earth because a portion of God's glory that is unique to your life and specific to your gifting will not be experienced by the world if you don't tap in to this treasure. Do you understand that? If you don't tap into the gift in you, you're... you're, you're God is being ripped off. You are being ripped off. I am being ripped off because your gift is that unique. Your gift is that special. You owe it to the world, to God. Amen? One of the powerful attributes of this treasure, it's durability. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, there, Paul goes on to talk about this. Um, And he says in verse 7, he says, Paul says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know what Paul is saying there? Because he just finished saying, talking about the jaws of clay and the treasure. And now he's saying, hey, there's some durability in this thing. This, this thing is just not going to just go away. It's there, and it's got, some, it's got some strength. You know, people say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. Pastor, I just, I just lost my job. You still got a gift. The gift that started that job can, start, can get another one. The gift that started that business can do another business. But, Pastor, you don't understand. My house burned down. You still got a gift. But, Pastor, my, 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 my wife just left me. Well, you still got a gift. My, my husband just left me. Honey, you still got a gift. Get some makeup on. Get yourself, you know, looking good again. You, come on. You still got a gift. But pastor, I, 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 you know, this happened and that happened. Paul just said, you're hard pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. Come on, you're perplexed. Let's say this, your gift is, is pressed, but it's not crushed. Your gift may be perplexed, but it's not in despair. Your gift may be persecuted, but it's not abandoned, struck down, but it's not destroyed. You still have a gift. And here's what I've come to tell you. 
the gift has a comeback God behind it because it gives God glory. I have a brother, my oldest, uh, one of my oldest brothers. He has got to be the comeback kid. He, he makes Rocky Balboa look like, you know, nothing in comebacks. You know, Rocky, he just has to get beat up before he comes back, right? My brother has been his bank, more bankrupt than most people I know in my life. He's, he, he's lost more money than most people make in three lifetimes. But today he is retired and he is a multimillionaire and he's wealthy and he, he funds the kingdom like crazy. He travels with me. He usually he would have been with me on this trip. And, uh, and, I, and the reason why he is where he is today because he still relied on the gift. Every time something happened, I would say, hey, come on, you got a gift. You got a gift to entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. You got a gift of, of, of working hard. You got a gift of seeing things. Just, just put it back into action. Put it back into action. And, and if he can just do that with his marriages, if you notice in marriages, I, I, he can get the gift. Come on. But he has got this thing where he just won't stay down. See, if you never tap into this treasure and manifest your God-given gifts, you will never be valuable to yourself. Let me tell you why that's important. Because I believe that a lot of the things that I deal with, especially with men of, that are destructive, that are narcissistic, that are, that are addictive, is because they don't understand the gift that God has given them. So, so they don't value it. When people don't value their health, they don't value their life, they don't value their, and they don't have any purpose, they're going to give in to those things. And I know, because for years, I didn't know what my gift was, but I knew I had some charisma. People would say that about me, but I, I, I knew, and I was good at strength um, in athletes and athletic stuff, and so I started training in high school. Some of y'all know my testimony, and I, um, and I started being, I was very strong. Coaches started noticing me. People started noticing me. Before I know it, I was competing at a national level and I was winning and then I became a bodybuilder and I went wind up getting uh discovered in uh in the Mr. USA as a young age and I I was flown to California met with the the gurus of bodybuilding and got to know Arnold and Lou Frigno and all these guys was on magazines and movies and all and Hollywood was signing me up all this was happening but you know what I didn't I, I, I realized after a while that was not my gift And because I didn't know it and I didn't value, I started to get sidetracked by a narcissistic, selfish, all about myself type of life to where it destroyed a young marriage and it it got me addicted to things that I thought I would never be addicted to. And I started doing drugs that I thought I'd never do because I didn't understand my gift. And so I started manifesting the wrong gift. Are you with me? God didn't call me to run around this, this country and this world in, in little Speedos and oiled bodies flexing my biceps. That's not what he called me to do. He called me to raise the dead, to, to pray for the sick, to lead people to Christ, to pray for, for crusades around the world that God would lead. Millions of people have heard the gospel through the gift that he's given me. But I never knew it was there. 
And two, one day this crazy raging Cajun in Louisiana uh, was preaching in a tent meeting and a guy named Phil Driscoll was playing a trumpet and somebody said to this little Catholic boy that was lost as a goose in the fog, as we say in Louisiana, and he said, you need to come to this tent meeting. I go, what tent meeting? You need to come hear this guy. He's funny. Well, I love comedians. So I said, well, I'd like to hear this guy because my church sure ain't funny. Um, so I went to it and here's Jesse Duplan. It's just right off of rock and roll. You know, and he's preaching and he's funny. And before I knew it, this guy's playing the trumpet like I've never heard anybody. And all of a sudden, I'm at the altar. Didn't even know what I was doing. I just said, I need to know God like this guy does. And, uh, but it took years for people to start helping me. And I was just like Pastor David. I just went to the church and said, where do you need me? And I just served and served. And I helped with the men's ministry and setting out the crawfish. Board. You know, Louisiana, we eat crawfish. Anything that crawls, we eat in Louisiana. Matter of fact, let me just tell you, if Adam was Cajun, we wouldn't be in a mess that we're in today because we would have ate that snake. We would have ate it. We just, oh, that good snake? Yeah, we would just went and ate him. But, uh, so, where was I? I, talk, I totally lost my third time. Yeah, I mean, he's preaching and church is trying to help me. And I'm a, you know, this bodybuilder. And I, I totally stick out like a sore thumb. And I'm like, God. And I, I remember help, helping with the children's ministry. Kids biting on my legs and I'm wanting to choke them. And kids looking at me saying, your daddy, my daddy can beat you up. And I'm like, I'm about to beat you up right now. <laughs> So I was helping with the children's ministry. I was just doing whatever. I just said, Pastor, I, I, I just want to help you. And, and then a team came through, years of doing that. And I did construction and whatever God did to make ends meet. And then one day a power team, they called them. And they were a bunch of athletes, you know, all, all with, with muscles like I had. And they were using it for the glory of God. And, and, they, and they saw me and they said, James, you, you want to join us? And the gift in me that I didn't even know, someone believed in it and it brought it out of the clay. And I started to be used around the world, 20-something nations now and counting, ministering and with this gift. And then I created the Conquerors, which some of y'all might remember. I think we even did a few things here on Pastor Tim in the day with my guys. The Conquerors is out of Grand Rapids, and they're still going around the world ministering. But I'm telling you, this gift is real. It's powerful, and we need a value. We don't want to be like Esau. Y'all know the story of Esau. He was the, the, the older brother by a few minutes um, from, of Jacob. They were twins. And Esau, the Bible says, did not value his gift of being the firstborn and having the birthright. And so the Bible, God said this of Esau. He's a profane man because he didn't value his gift. He gave it away for a bowl of soup. A bowl of soup. Because he didn't value it. And we will give away our gifts. And, I, and it, it hurts so, as a, as a spiritual dad to many young people, I'm so sometimes so saddened for men that have see so much in them. And they just can't see it. And they're selling out their future for little one minute excitements. To fill a bowl of soup when, when Esau could have owned a whole factory of soup building companies. Come on. You see, I, I almost feel it's irreverent to God when we don't value the gift he gives us. Do you realize the gifts you manifest will become the source of your wealth that you can use to glorify God and advance the kingdom? 
It's true. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. I could see how you minister and how you motivate people. I, I don't have a gift. Oh, yeah? Let me just read you this that I wrote. Everything in creation is created with a gift inside of it. You're no different. God hasn't created anything without a gift in it. Whatever you were created to become, you possess right now. You possess it right now. It's not, it, it, it's already in you. You just need to tap into it and manifest. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You were born with a gift in you. There's nothing in creation that God created. I, 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 I challenge you to show me that God hasn't created a gift in it. Fruits have seeds in it because God always creates something that will produce and grow and secure the future of that something. And that's no different with you. Miles Monroe said this. He says, a gift is an inherent capacity to fulfill a function that meets a need in creation. I love that he used inherent. You know why? Because that tells you it's not something you can just come up with and, and, and just Get it from some kind of textbook somewhere. It's something that's already in you. Inherent means it's there already. You just need to tap into it. Now, I started something with the men, and I'm going to add to it to this service. When the men got something that really, really fired them up, I said, one, two, three, and they all went, yes. It's a new version of amen. Are y'all ready? Did that, one, two, three, yes. All right, pastor, we, you got to do that for pastor next Sunday. Inherent means, you know, listen, like, I'm a prophetic man. Your pastor is. Pastor David is. We speak into people's lives. But I'm going to tell you, prophecy cannot give you a gift. It can only stir up the gift that's already in you and inherently by God. When Dick Mills, an old man back in the day, he's in heaven today, was at that little church where I was at, saw me in the back. I'm this bodybuilder. I don't know where I'm going. I hadn't met the power team yet. And I'm just serving. And he goes, um, I'm about to close up, but there's one more man that God wants to talk to right there. And he's way in the back. And I was sitting in the usher's seat because I used to help with the ushers. And I got the wall behind me and I knew it. But what he didn't know is just, I had just bowed my head and I said, Lord, if you got something for me in, in, in ministry, speak to this through this old man. And this man goes, Dick Mills, he goes, young man, stand up. He goes, you're going to be an evangelist. You understand, I didn't even know how, what that meant. I was raised Catholic. I knew a priest. Never heard of an evangelist. I didn't even know about Billy Graham or any of that at the time. He goes, you're going to be an evangelist. I see you preaching the gospel to thousands. And he says, as the sands of the seashore cannot be counted. And little did I, did I know the gift that he just stirred up started to fire up in me. You see, you have come to planet Earth with a future inside of you. It's like Gideon. When he showed up to Gideon's life, he said, Gideon, and he's all feeling um, ungifted, and he's frustrated. His brothers died in battle. The enemy is stealing from his family. He feels he's the least of, the fa- of his family. His tribe is the least. He's given all these excuses, and God said, Gideon, go in the might of yours. He didn't even know the might he had in him, the gift he had in him. And finally, he believed God and went on to do amazing things and deliver his people. So I want to give you really quick, we only got a few minutes, 
Three things that I have taught my young men that I've worked with and I've taught uh, churches across the country that will help you discover and help you uh, develop and, and activate this gift. Number one, seed your gift. Seed your gift. Here's a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. That same thing for women. Proverbs eighteen sixteen. A man gifts makes room for you. When I was serving church, some young people, one of my biggest struggles with young people that I work with is, is impatience. They want to like get paid for their gift right away and they hadn't even developed it. I said, man, look, I didn't make any money for my gift in the beginning in ministry. I just sold and gave and served pastors for years and had and worked a secular job and just served in church. And I seeded it. Why? Because your seed will make gift. Your gift will make room for itself. But you got to seed it. You got to plant it. Today, I, I make a good living and I support my family with it and I travel the world. But it wasn't like that in the beginning. I, I seeded it and I put it. And by the way, the greatest soil to seed your gift is the local church. And I will say that to the day I die. Seed it in the church. Serve in the church. And watch what God will do with that seed. Because your seed, remember I said something about the fruit? Your seed secures your future. The seed in that fruit is what secures the future of that tree. And you're no different. Number two, embrace change. Embrace change. If you are going to manifest the gift of God in your life, you're going to have to embrace change. Say, embrace change. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is in his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What that's basically saying in a nutshell is there's going to be a whole lot of changing in your life, renewing of your mind, getting rid of old fleshly habits and embracing new godly habits. Habits are going to be important. We'll talk about that in a second. In in my book, The Andreezo Man, we ran out, uh, uh, sold out uh, at the men's rally. But in my book, I talk about uh, being circumspective to men. Circumspective is basically another word for vigilant, for being aware being aware of your family, being aware of your kids' hearts, your wife's heart, your, your domain that God has given you. And, and, but in order to be circumspective, you have to be introspective. You have to go to your heart and start dealing with the things inside your heart that need to change. And so, so, so what man needs this book right now? It's the last one book. Come on, son. Come up here. Take that. And, uh, and if you want that book, you can get it on Amazon. It's there. But Miles Monroe said this. It, it affected me many years ago. He says, dissatisfaction is the seed of change. You will never change what you tolerate. Ooh, one, two, three. Yes. yes. You will never change what you tolerate. Let me tell you, until you're willing to change, nothing's going to change. You want a different life? You want, you want to know what your gift is? You want to manifest it? You're going to have to embrace change. And I'm telling you, it's not fun. Nobody likes change. But listen, most people won't change until the pain of where they are exceeds the pain of change. How many times have you said, I'm going to change? And you wind up doing the same thing. Because it hasn't become painful enough for you. But when it does, you embrace change. I remember trying to get all you know, in my wife one day early on in our marriage, I said, baby, you're just going to have to accept me. That's just the way I am. She says, no way. You're going to change. 
And she was right. Come on, somebody. You cannot defeat, listen to this, you cannot, I wrote this last night. This is fresh off the oven of God. You cannot defeat what you do not define. If you don't embrace change, you will embrace the chains of your gift. It will lock it up and never be seen. So embrace change. The last thing, adult your ha- audit your habits. Audit your habits. Oh my gosh, I wish I had time. We don't. Ephesus, uh, Ephesus. I've been to Ephesus. Ephesians, where this was written. Chapter four, verse 22 through 24 says this. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And do... And and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Again, you see change happening. And putting off, our whole life as Christians is putting off things of the flesh and taking on things of the spirit. You have to understand, in order for your gift to manifest, you're gonna have to seed it. You're gonna have to change things and you're gonna have to, Audit your habits. Habits, listen, according to these scriptures, there is a constant putting off of old and putting on of new. What are the old habits that God is telling you to change so that you can, it can line up with what God has called you to be? Every bad habit you replace with a good one deposits into you a gift that, that, that makes the, the person that God created you to be. The gift, according to uh, Duke... Um, University. A study was made, and watch this. It says, um, it says this about decisions. It says, the actions you do every day are the results of your habits, not your decisions. So if you want to change your life, change your habits. How many of y'all made New Year's resolutions, goals? I do every year. But this year, something happened with me. I just decided, you know, God, I'm not going to... You know, 92% don't, don't follow through with it because the habits don't change. And so, you know, God, I'm more interested in, instead of a do list, a who list. I want to do things because of who I want to become. I want to be a better leader, so I'm going to do things who make, who, who I could become a better leader. I want a who list, not a do list. Who do you want to be? You want to be a better husband? You want to be a better businessman? You want to be a better Christian? You want to be a better neighbor? Whatever you want. Start to become the who and watch your gift start to manifest. You see, the potential of your gift is in direct reflection of the quality of your daily habits. Saints, I want you to hear this. You don't decide your future. You decide your habits, and your habits decide your future. Someone say one, two, three, yes, or ouch, whatever comes first. See, excellence is never an accident. Excellence is always the result of intentional and consistent habits. Never underestimate your ability to start something big by doing something small. Because the accumulations of small things, oh, make big things. And I don't have time to go into more, but the final one is protect your gift. Because there is, the, there is the, uh, dream thieves, as I call them out there. 
And Proverbs says, guard your heart with all your heart, uh, with all your, uh, um, your might, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guys, let me tell you, you want to know where your gift is? God made it so easy for you to find so that you won't miss it. It's right here in your heart. What keeps you up at night? What just stirs you up? What just passion comes to you? Mine was to help men because men are in trouble. The world is trying to redefine manhood. And I said, no more. And it couldn't, I couldn't sleep it about anymore. And I had to do something about it. So I created a ranch. Started with 12 men. Now it's like 12,000 that have been through it. And we're in eight states and three countries. It's a revolution of men who say, I want to change. And they're changing by the thousands. I'm here to tell you, as I close, there's some, you've come today. Ephesians 2.10 was spoken about last, this whole week, yesterday. It's one of the greatest scriptures that changed my life. It stirred up and exposed the gift that some of you today need to hear. It said, for we are God's workmanship. NIV says handiwork. Another one says masterpiece. I like that one. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch this, that have been predestined beforehand for you to walk in. Do you realize what that scripture says? The key to your gift being activated and manifested is Christ. When Christ became Lord of my life, he started exposing his purpose for my life. And the gift started to manifest. And he started to be glorified in my life. Instead of me glorifying my body, I was glorifying his body. And today, it is such a fulfilling life. It is the best thing ever. And I want to give you an opportunity for that. If you're here, would you bow your, eye, your head and close your eyes and, and just get alone with your heart? What is stirring in you? What is, as Pastor Rhonda said, what is constraining you right now? You know, I was in the police force, and we, we, another synonym of constraint is to, to apprehend, to handcuff. What is God trying to handcuff? Paul said, I have been apprehended for that for which I've appre- he apprehended me for. Paul often wrote his letters by saying, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. Wow. Will you today let God apprehend your heart and watch his gift manifest in your life? It's the best thing you can do. You say, Pastor, how do I do it? If you have not done it, today's your day, Paul said. Right now is the time for salvation. Maybe you've done it and you've walked away because you got, you got blindsided by the dream thieves of this world. But today, get back on the treasure of God for your life. You say, Pastor, it's me. On a count of three, I'm going to count three. Lift your hand and I'm going to pray a simple prayer right where you are. And when I get through, you can be secured in Christ, activated in the gift that he has put in you already and on your way to heaven with him to reign and rule this earth in the universe. Yes, someday we will rule with him. 
but it's the ones that's in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. You say, Pastor, I don't want to miss it. Then get ready for this prayer. Don't miss it. On a count of three. One. And if you're watching online, you can do this too. Go have your head bowed and your eyes closed right now. God can touch you through the television, through the stream, through the computer. You just put your hand over your heart right now. They're watching online. And say this prayer with me. Everyone say, Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize today that I've not given my whole heart to you. And so I surrender everything to you. And I ask you to be Lord of my life, which means total supreme authority. You have it, Lord. I give it to you. Jesus, activate this gift that you died for, was buried, and rose again to see it manifested in my life. And from this moment on, I will give you glory with this gift of a new life, a new heart, and a treasure that is in me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. Many people, I believe when you said that, many people, I didn't have you raise your hand because I believe when you said that, something happened inside of me. If that maybe was the first time, and maybe you rededicated your life. But every eye open now and every look, and I just want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I said that prayer, and it was, it was real for me today. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Just lift your hand. I just want to, I want to know I didn't waste my time this morning. Amen? Look at that. And you are watching online. I don't know which camera's got it. I'm telling you right now, get in a place like Cornerstone. Get in a place. If you don't have a church, get in a place. Start seeding the gift. And watch what God will do with your life. Amen. I know pastor does this, but I, I, I'm going I'm to rob it from him. I do it in my church too. I want to bless you. And he's going to tell you what, he's the pastor. I'll let him bless you. But, but the Lord bless you. Amen. Thank you. And let's go manifest this gift. Amen, amen, amen. I'll do the blessing around here. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you peace. Great job. Didn't he do a great job? You're dismissed.